0: This is the Crushing the Myth podcast produced by Talking Taiwan, and I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Crushing the Myth is an Asian-American speaker series featuring stories that make people listen, learn, and get inspired. This week's Crushing the Myth episode features a talk by Patrick Springer. Let's give it a listen.
1: I remember the first time I was called the N-word. I was outside playing with my friends Matt and Nick, twin brothers. Their dad was a police officer, so our favorite game to play was cops and robbers. This time, Nick and I were the bad guys, trying to escape, and just as we made it to the safe zone, Matt jumped out from around the tree, and he called us. Freeze, niggas, get on the ground, he said, and he pretended to shoot. Nick fell on the ground in a fit of laughter, and I stood there frozen. I looked at my best friend as he continued to shoot at me. Still firing, I decided that I'd had enough, and I walked home. We were eight. Matt and Nick were white. We didn't hang out much after that. I remember fearing for my life. I was at my university, walking back to my dorm room one night, and an old truck pulled up alongside me. The red lights brightened and turned white as they reversed, they drove next to me. Three boys leaned out and they banged on the roof. Go home, nigger. Go back to Africa. The next time we catch you. Their voices and the lights trailed off into the distance. For them, they were probably just having a bit of fun. But for me, I was terrified. Talk to almost any person of color, and they can probably vividly tell you the first time that they were called a racial slur or that they feared for their life. I moved to Taiwan a year after that incident. I didn't know it at the time, but moving to Taiwan was an escape from all of the overt racism that I dealt with back in America and hadn't yet processed. Taiwan, for me and for many other people of color, was an escape, a safe haven to escape the type of racism that you normally see on TV, the kind that most of you are probably familiar with. The racism that screams and bites and shoots and burns and terrorizes. The type of racism that's big and scary and dangerous. The type that turns people to hashtags, that turns protests into riots. The types that's summarized and whitewashed to be taught in history books, but only in February. The type of racism that we don't talk about until it's too late. Luckily, I don't deal with that here. Instead, I get stared at. When I moved to Taiwan, you can imagine the feeling of joy that I felt and no longer being vilified. Getting off the plane, I let out a sigh of relief. I'm no longer the scary black guy. I moved away from a racist place to live on a beautiful island and now I just looked different. Clearly, I didn't expect things to be exactly the same as they were in America. I moved here knowing full well that not everyone would look like me, would talk like me, or even think like me. What I did not expect, however, was how differently I'd be seen. Like most foreigners in Taiwan, I came to teach ESL. But even before I arrived, I was met with what would be the first of many incidents that would give me pause. How will I explain to the parents that a Black man is teaching their kids English? Those words from my former director shaped my first years on the island. Every day I faced a barrage of innocent ignorances or, for a better term, microaggressions or subtle acts of racism that aren't usually considered racist and often go ignored. I remember the comparisons to Obama, Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, or whatever other famous black person they had recently seen on TV. I remember having to teach my students consent as their small hands reached for my hair, eager to touch, to pull, to grab, to feel, and I explained that my crown is part of my body and that in order to touch it, you have to ask permission. And simply asking doesn't always constitute a yes for me. The lessons on consent applied to pictures as well as I explained to them that while I understand that you're excited to see me, it's impolite to run up to me with a camera and try to take a picture without even getting to know my name first. I could recognize and recite the phrase, may I take a picture with you before I remember my breakfast order and even my own address. I learned to say no thank you before I learned the proper tones for hello. I remember teaching my high school students their colors by explaining to graduating seniors that my skin is brown and my hair and my shirt is black. See here in Taiwan, for those of you who aren't familiar, there aren't many people who look like me. So it's quite possible for some that I may be the first person of color that they've ever seen. So I understand why for some people it makes sense to stare or even for a business to be shocked when someone who looks like me walks in to the point where I don't get service. And it should be acceptable for me to understand that because my hair grows differently and that my skin is a bit darker, there will be some who want to touch it and I should let them. I mean, I am a visitor on the island and they're just curious and there's no harm in being curious, right? Wrong. There's a saying. Curiosity kills the cat and, as you see, I'm clearly here still breathing, but I was dying on the inside. While I found joy and comfort in the safety of the island, this is where I struggled with finding my place. I went from being profiled back at home to being stereotyped and studied here, constantly under the microscope of inspection. I went from being able to blend in to being impossible to stand out. I went from being just a minority back in one country to the model minority in another. The specimen by which everyone formed their opinion on people who looked like me, I was a walking social experiment and experience and didn't even know it. For years, I tried to fit in and I found myself having to do the same thing to survive that I had to do back home, except all the time here, sticking close to walls so as not to take up too much space and scare the people who were walking on the sidewalk, making my presence known when someone's back was turned to me as to not startle them if they turned around, making myself seem smaller to appear less scary, lowering my voice so I don't come off as angry. I learned to ignore the rude comments and remarks from people who were talking because they thought I didn't understand grinning as big as I could and smiling at every little kid that walked past and pointed at the hayring as they tugged on their mommy's skirt. I was exhausted at being expected to make every one of these instances a teaching experience. But Patrick, that's doing a lot just to avoid a few stares, isn't it? It'd be simple for me to answer yes, but the truth is, it's the implication of the stairs and not just the actions. It's the microaggressive nature of dissecting someone's humanity and studying them without their permission. It's nullifying their existence and forming an opinion that you carry for the rest of your life based off of a single fleeting interaction with just one person, me. When my family calls me and they ask, Is there racism in Taiwan? I answer honestly, yes. But it's not like what it is back at home. It's rare that I'm ever scared for my life or that I experience danger when I go outside. So I'm way safer here than I would be back in America. I tell my mom, I can handle a couple stairs, it's okay. And they just want a picture or they just want to feel my hair. I politely correct them, and I keep it moving, so don't worry about me. This makes my mom happy, and she feels better, so we go on with our conversation. But in the back of my mind, I can remember the first time that one of my students called me the N-word, just like I was an eight-year-old kid playing outside with his friends.
0: To learn more about Patrick, check out episode 84 of the Talking Taiwan podcast, featuring him and his Black Lives Solidarity Global Initiative co-founder, Stephanie Davis. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Crushing the Myth, visit www.crushingthemyth.com and their YouTube channel, which features video clips of all of their speakers' talks. If you enjoy listening to the stories of interesting people, check out my other podcast, Talking Taiwan. And if you love what we're doing with Crushing the Myth, let let your friends know about the Crushing the Myth podcast, or better yet, write us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It will help get Crushing the Myth discovered.